looking at John Wesley's theology, we could take a number of perspectives. I think it's most helpful uh, at the beginning to take what I call the helicopter view. Uh, that is a very wide and broad view of John Wesley's theology. There have been some discussions in the past. Uh, what kind of theologian was John Wesley? Was he a systematic theologian uh, trying to integrate uh, all of human knowledge and taking it captive to Jesus Christ? Or was he, on the other hand, uh, a practical theologian, doing theology in the warp and woof of life in the service of the church? Well, uh, I think as we're going to see in a few moments that Wesley was more akin to the latter designation. That is, he was a practical theologian uh, concerned about serving the church, uh, the Methodists in particular, uh, in enumerating theology. Um, within that confine, I think Wesley was nevertheless um, orderly, coherent. And if we had to summarize Wesley's theology in two words, in two words, I think it would be holiness and grace. Holiness and grace. The one thing that I find so impressive about John Wesley is that his theology is so very well balanced. Uh, he is a both-and sort of person, oftentimes caught up in an either-or world, a world of uh, extremes or eccentricities. Wesley is one of moderation and balance. And so his theology is suitably described in terms of holiness and grace. Not simply holiness. If we simply stress holiness apart from grace, we would probably end up with a very dour uh, human-made religion, uh, which stress separation from others. Um, if, on the other hand, we simply stress grace, uh, we would run the danger, the risk, uh, of not understanding what the will of God is and perhaps slipping in our own will and calling it grace. In other words, seeing grace uh, and misunderstanding grace as indulgence. But Wesley's got the balance. It's holiness and grace. And I think even in terms of these two descriptors, uh, each one can be broken out uh, into another conjunction. Uh, Holiness, for example, I think is informed by the conjunction of holy love, holy love. There's a tension there, and I'm going to talk about that uh, in a moment. But the first thing to see is that the exact phrase holy love itself is used many times in Wesley's writings, uh, at least a dozen times. He uses this exact phrase. Look at the tension in terms of holy love. Holiness, as defined by Wesley, entails purity and simplicity. Purity and simplicity. Uh, simplicity in the sense that in all of our doing, we are aiming at God, the love of God and neighbor. In all of our doing, our thoughts, our mind, our heart, etc. Okay? And so with holy love, uh, holy, the holy part of it is separating in terms of purity. Uh, we can think of the church as being a peculiar people set apart by God. Okay? That's one part of it. But the second part of it is love. Love which is embracing, that seeks communion. Uh, and so you've got this tension going on with holy love. 
on the one hand, a movement of purity and separation, but then on the other hand, a going out uh, into the world uh, for mission and communion. And I think this tension uh, is emblematic of the church itself. We think of the church, uh, the Greek word here is ecclesia, uh, ecclesia uh, built on a Greek root uh, that means to call out, literally to call out. The church is that communion which is called out from the world to be set apart, but that is also called back into the world for mission. And Wesley understood this dynamic, this tension very well. So the first part, holiness, is broken out into holy love. We don't want to stress holiness apart from love, and we don't want to stress love apart from holiness. We want to keep them together. Um, but then there's the second part, the second part of this, which is grace, grace. Now, Wesley's theology uh, by both professors and ministers uh, and even lay people, they have understood Wesley's understanding of grace, conceived Wesley's understanding of grace, principally in terms of cooperant grace, cooperant grace. And this is a part of what Wesley has, but it's not the whole. It's not the whole. So just as the conjunction of holiness, just as holiness is broken out into holy love, so grace is broken out into two kinds of graces, not one. Cooperant grace, to be sure, but also free grace. So it's a matter of both free and cooperant grace. Let me give an example of the first part of this conjunction, cooperant grace. Is the Christian life marked by divine and human cooperation? Absolutely. We see this most clearly expressed in Wesley's sermon on working out our own salvation. Here's what Wesley writes. God works, therefore you can work. God works, therefore you must work. And so there's the synergism, the working together, the divine human cooperation that is very much a part of Wesley's theology. The problem is, it's not the whole thing, because Wesley has another understanding of grace, and that is free grace. What does free grace stress? Not divine human cooperation, but the work of God alone. How so? How so in terms of the work of God alone? In terms of creation, Wesley argues that God brought the creation into being out of God's free and sovereign will, uh, brought humanity into existence out of the divine freedom. What would be a second example of free grace? Justification and the new birth themselves. Um, we cannot transform our nature and make ourselves holy. Only God can do that. That is a gift that we have to receive. It is, in a real sense, the work of God alone. And the same way, in terms of entire sanctification, entire sanctification is received by grace through faith, by grace through faith alone. Wesley said this in terms of the approach to entire sanctification. If you think you must be or do something else first, then you are expecting it by works even unto this day. But if it is by the grace of God, expect it as you are and expect it now. And so by that means, Wesley is highlighting the divine role, that God is the principal actor here, and this is a sheer gift to be received by grace through faith.